Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. The recording. This on. Recording. We're, we're starting. You can choose to leave this as part of the introduction if you'd like. <laughs> it is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. We are talking movies live on a gorgeous Wednesday morning. I'm Dave Brooks. I'm Joel Hoover, and even at this point in the podcast, sometimes the start of the podcast can be a little bit unexpected. Disjointed. And a little... Huh? Huh? Are we on? Quote, quote, unquote, disjointed. (laughs) We are are still technically the fill-ins here, so... Yeah, we only get a cameo from the main host, Rick, Nick. I think we only barely got a half a second appearance by one of them. It was was fast, regardless. It, It was very, very quick. Um... Yeah, and only one of them to this point has has actually appeared for what ended up being a very brief period of time. But anyway. I, I think one of them said they were stuck in a big mud puddle in their driveway. It only rained, by the way, for maybe five minutes yesterday. Yesterday, we're fine. No mud puddle. It's always just another excuse. That's right. Well, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is brought to you by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2 just down from the airport. You can stop on in and catch a movie there they're back to having movies showing on the big screen if you are not quite at that point where you are back and checking out a movie in person yet keep on supporting the theater by going and getting concessions bring concessions home with you get some popcorn get some candy get a slushy make your choices there you can bring it on back with you and that kind of support is going to continue to be very valuable to the Bemidji Theater again on Highway 2 just down from the airport as People are getting back to it as far as going and seeing movies, and it was a very robust Labor Day weekend, Dave, across the board. You you said it was a very, very good Labor Day weekend. Record-setting, in fact. Not that the record for Labor Day is all that remarkable. Labor Day and Memorial Day are very different weekends. Um, Labor Day, it's kind of the end. You might get something from the summer, maybe an early start on the fall, but it's kind of, in a lot of cases, a throwaway weekend. Except for this year. Now, the record going into 2021 was held by the remake, reboot Halloween movie, Rob Zombie, back in 2007, I think it was. That was the record. And then along comes the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Phase 4, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings getting amazing reviews, doing great business, and it is now the number one Labor Day weekend release of all time. That's a nice combination, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good, and it shows that we're coming back. There are still some issues, there's variants, there's people that are not quite ready. I was so close to getting ready to go, and now my needle's pushing back the other way. We'll get there, but that's just me, and everyone's got a different perspective on things. Um, The Delta variant really having an impact, but it's nice that people are going um, and being a part of things. And even if you're not quite yet ready to go to your theater to go see Shang-Chi or anything else, 
Um, go support the snack bar at the very least because that supports your local theater. That's local dollars, and that's really where movie theaters make their money. So buy a ticket, don't buy a ticket, but go buy a popcorn and an IC and some candy and then go have movie day back at your house. You've already supported the theater at the snack bar. So, yeah, that's a good way to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of year because there was not that summer stretch at the box office like there there typically would be at least not the same kind of summer stretch at the box office where you're going to have those big tentpole movies the tentpole movies are kind of spread throughout the rest of the year as we remarked and took a look at for the fall movie preview because the it's all a big game of catch-up that's going on right now. And now that's already out of date. A lot of those big movies have shifted. Top Gun is now pushed to Memorial 22. Uh, a lot of those movies are picking up and moving. So we said it going into that fall preview yeah. episode, this is probably only for now. And almost the next, the next day, they started picking up those movies and shifting dates. And some of them are moving up. Others are moving out. Um, moving up in some cases yeah too. venom got moved up a couple weeks uh but top gun maverick got moved to next spring so that'll be a memorial day 2022 that's out of the window now uh but that's expected you know all that stuff is always subject to move and change this time in particular so we're going the right way but there's also signs that well maybe maybe not but bond right now is holding steady the numbers are saying maybe they can't afford to move bond for what would be what the fifth delay i think that's what it would be yeah i think it's bond or bust it's coming out uh this spring or this fall um but stay tuned that could also change if numbers really go weird we just can't afford to keep it there we have to move it so we'll see we'll i know i can't handle another moving of that movie (laughs) i have been waiting for a year and a half now like that was going to be like my return movie as far as like I I, only, I went and saw Tenet last year and that was that was great but as far as like waiting for another movie that's coming out that's new I was waiting for this one and it's like let's just get there we're a month away now they just had a new trailer come out let's just get there Let, I'm, I'm anxious to see it and others and I definitely yeah. want to go but you know my perspective a little different I will if I have to if it's better to wait I will right Right. It'll kill me to do it, but it's better than killing me to do it. That just is to, just to make a point. That is one way to look at it <laughs> metaphorically. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, can, we're continuing to uh, to monitor how things are looking there. But again, encouraging that the box office has been robust, relatively robust uh, for movies that are getting released right now. Really, really good to see. So, hopefully, that means that that maybe in some respects too these these. Uh, these production companies are and studios are looking and go and valuing the still hopeful hopefully valuing the in-person side of things when it comes to going to the movies and with the releases because again there's been the digital side of things too that is now a factor and now a consideration but hopefully they are still considering best way to be able to capitalize on people returning to theaters themselves it seems like that's part of this it seems like it maybe i'm being a little bit optimistic on that but it seems that way well it's a different landscape we'll just finish this thought real quick and then we'll move into our main event main course but uh, it's a different thing than say a year ago there weren't vaccines last fall they didn't exist they were not there now they are you can be vaccinated and be protected and go but you can still get it as this delta variant is showing uh, right now, I have an uncle that's got COVID, and he is vaccinated. He's having an easy ride, 
but he's you know sequestered at home. So you can still be vaccinated, still get it. So, but you are protected, and you're not going to have a rough ride, most likely. So, go on to the theater, and if you do want to protect yourself, in my case, I'm vaccinated, but I still wear a mask when I'm in public areas because my son is too young to be vaccinated and can't be. So, I could go out and have an okay time and be safe, even if I get it. But I could pass it to him, and maybe he's a different story. There's a lot more stories about youth having a problem. So, I'm taking a harder road for his benefit. You know, his mom and I both vaccinated, but not him. So we're just not going to roll that dice. It's just not, it's too risky of a roll. But that's my perspective. Other people, not married, no kids, different situations, they can go do that. Mask or no mask, that's their own decision. But we're making our decision for, namely for our son's sake. You know, his school where I just dropped him off, everyone there masked. That's the way it is. And they don't really even think about it. You know, his biggest issue with masks is working to get that coordination to get it over his ear when he can't see his own ear. That's the biggest issue he's got. So it's It's really up to you guys. I'm not preaching to any choirs, but that's where we're currently sitting. But enough about that. Dave, tell me, what's the word? Cameo, baby. Word up. Word up. Yeah. All right. I was thinking about that one ever since you brought up the topic yesterday. I was like, I know exactly how I'm going to intro that. Good for you bringing up an 80s tune. Thank you. Yes. All right. Yes. Cameos. Word up. We're talking about cameos today because cameos in movies are fun, aren't they? I love them. Yeah. They are great. Like once you start putting together a list of of ones that you've seen or memorable ones. Like, you can come up with so many different kinds of cameos in movies. There there are some that really help move the plot forward. There are some that are comedic. There, there's a lot out there that are comedic. The big surprise ones that are great, that they're really enjoyable to see come up too. Um, great cameos are are there to be found in a variety of different ways, aren't they? And there's a lot of different, to expand on what you're saying, some of them are things that, you, they're in the background. You know, they see that Subtleties. third guy deep into the crowd, that's so-and-so's mom, who's such-and-such, or that's David Bowie, or whatever the case, and it's blink and you miss it. Yeah. And some of them are maybe a little closer to the camera, so to speak. There are some movies that have no shortage of 9 million cameos. Like, if it's a sporting movie, in a lot of cases, you'll get a lot of famous people show up. Oh, yeah. Up. I was you know, just watching... One of my favorite sports movies, Goal, which is my favorite yeah. soccer movie. Um, I was just watching that the other day. There are quite a few cameos from managers, players from the time when the movie was oh, released. Yeah. There are there are quite a few of them that are mixed in there in the midst of the big story itself. Yeah, we were just watching The Mighty Ducks, and it's a great hockey movie filmed in Minnesota. Uh, I know a lot of people that were involved in it. Uh, and so there was a scene, they go to the Met Center to see a North Stars game, and they actually had a cameo with uh, Mike Madano and, uh, oh, the other guy, but I can't remember, uh, as if, you know, Emilio Estevez's character knows them because they had all played hockey. Hey, it's good to see you, Coach Bombay. Eh, good to see you, Mike. You know, that was cool. And for me, it's neat to see Mike Madano, for one. It's cool to see the old Met Center, which isn't there anymore. The yeah. North Stars are gone. They're playing in Dallas. That was pretty cool. And then there are those moments where the whole plot hinges on somebody who's front and center that you don't know is coming up. Um, and some of them are great and memorable, and others maybe not so much. Sometimes the audiences are like, really? And other times they're like, oh, I love it. And some you never knew were there. You know, and, you find out after the fact. And in some cases, there's a what could have been 
yep. with the cameo as well. I have a very big what could have been uh, for a cameo too, where I I still think about this occasionally when I think of the movie that it that it's in, and I go, that would have been iconic. <laughs> I uh, mean, that it, got me baited. It would have blown some people's minds too, um, but it would have been iconic if they had done that. You want me to wait on that one a little bit? Uh, your call. Let it marinate. All right, I'll I'll let it marinate a little bit. So. Do you have a favorite cameo, Dave, that, that's been done? Or are there just too many to think of to, to differentiate? It might be a yes to both of those questions. I kind of probably do, but yeah, there's maybe too many. Uh, there are some that are probably I share with other people, and I'll get at least my intention. I'll get to those unless you beat me to the punch. Um, but I'll start off with one that is very obscure. But I keep, when I think of a, an example of a good if not great cameo, that's one that is forgotten on a movie that is also kind of forgotten. It hit, and then it left, and it's kind of gone. And it wasn't that great a movie. Mid-90s, I think 95, was a movie called Father's Day. And it's got Billy Crystal and Robin Williams and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And both of those guys had dated Dreyfus in college, and they both might be the father of her son, who has since gone off missing. It's a comedy, so it's not like it's a kidnapping thing. He got into a van with a bunch of friends. He took off. You think oh. he's trailing after Lollapalooza or whatever. you got to find him. So these two would-be, could-be dads go off in search of him. So they're running throughout Lollapalooza. Scott! Scott! And then finally, Scott! Yo! And here comes, at the top of his career, Mel Gibson. As a tattoo vendor and a piercing vendor, heavily tattooed, heavily pierced, <laughs> and say what you want about Mel Gibson these days, this came out at the peak of his career. This is about the time that Braveheart came out. So right, this is the right. pinnacle. And here's Mel Gibson, who's got a great sense of humor anyway. Don't those piercings hurt? Well, not these, but there's the one that did. And you know they're alluding to a Prince Albert or something. It was just funny. It was a good moment. Oh, man. The movie isn't great. It's got a couple of moments that are laughable, but they don't string together well enough to make for a great movie. But if you just there's nothing to watch, it's worth it. And when Mel Gibson pops up, it's a hoot. Yeah, I, I love how many times cameos are associated with comedy, or they are associated with something funny that's coming up too. Um, it. I don't know if I have a a favorite. I I think if I did, it'd be between this one and another one. Um, but do you do you remember X Men First Class? Oh yeah. And the big cameo oh, that yeah. happens there. That's the appearance of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Of course, First Class was was a big deal when it came out because they were going to be essentially going back to the beginning of the X-Men and where it all started. Kind of a reboot, really. More or less, yeah. They they were going back to the start. So that meant a completely new cast of characters. But with Wolverine and his indestructibleness, there was the possibility that, hey, maybe he could pop up in this movie. Maybe he could appear. But then throughout much of the beginning there, you're you're seeing the the origins of Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher. Well, then they're they're building that first class of mutants that they're going to have at the school. And wouldn't you know it, one of the people that they come across as they are getting possible recruits is Logan himself. But then, of course, when they try to introduce themselves, um, there's that one line that's delivered, which I cannot share on here for... (laughs) Who? Why? For, oh, for crude reasons. <laughs> that's why I'm. I am not. I'm not big on on use of language like that. And yet, at the same time, 
Um, it's it's fairly comical. Um, we'll put the, it this way: as he throws that out there. A PG thirteen movie, according to legend, can only afford one Effenheimer, and they put it well placed. Right. Put it that way. Right. And um, <laughs> the the reactions from James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender are great too, as they just kind of look at each other like all right, we're not even going to bother with this guy. And off they go. And, of course, then in the next movie, they, he's they do. He's, in, he's not only in there, but they bring up that incident with him again as well. Well, it, especially Charles Xavier brings that up, that whole incident with him. Um, but talk about a memorable and, and, for many people, very comedic cameo that you get with one line delivered by Hugh Jackman in there as he just wants to smoke his cigar and drink his whiskey. Yeah. I'll bring up another one. Uh, sometimes it's cool when something from the past shows up in something that's now in a way that's sort of a passing of the torch and a nod, but in a way that is extra special and very unexpected. I, I got to say, I didn't think the movie was going to be very good until I saw it. 21 Jump Street. And this was based off an old TV series that was on, what, Fox, wasn't it? Fox or something? It was... Uh, it was a, it was a, like a you know young kids part of the Vice Squad police, and it made Johnny Depp's career. It uh, really furthered it. Uh, Greco was in there too, and some others. So then they make the movie with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, and it was straight comedy. It wasn't gritty drama like the TV show was, but right. it was really good. And both guys, Tatum, Ch- Channing Tatum in particular, threw himself into it and just nailed it. And then all of a sudden there's an uncover operation and one of the guys pulls off his makeup and it's Johnny Depp. And he's and he really was going for the laughs here, but it was fun. And this is when he was at the top of his career. This is when he was almost the pinnacle of Pirates of the Caribbean and it was still a good kind of a franchise that was going. To get him in the movie in the first place was a coup and he ran with it and had a blast. But I also have to take a second cameo involving Johnny Depp, whose big first movie was the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. By the time they got to the last one, more or less, Freddy's Dead, he was pretty much a star at this point. And the rumor was Freddy's Dead was going to be the last one, and it almost was. Uh, So then they had a cameo with Johnny Depp coming back as himself, as a drug public service announcement. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. And then Freddy Krueger shows up and knocks him out. Looks like a bunch of eggs in a frying pan to me. Well, that was hoot that, A, he was cool enough to come back and kind of circle to the end as it was supposed to be at the time. That was really cool. He did it for laughs. He did it for fun. That was pretty cool, too. So a double dose of Johnny Depp. I love that. Yeah, when when there's a callback in some way like that, especially... And they if, both were. Yeah, if there's some kind of reboot or, or something that you can attach to that property from the past in some way... Those are those are really good cameos. Those are those, those are some thinking cameos. Like Pursuit of Happiness, Will Smith plays plays a real life guy in that movie. Well, did you know that at the end of Pursuit of Happiness as he's walking off with his son, the real life guy comes and walks across the screen. In fact, and it, so you you clearly did know about that one. Yeah, that's those are the kind of cameos that you probably won't know it in the moment but then it's an easter egg kind of thing that you can learn about later or i believe the the woman who played mystique originally before jennifer lawrence going back to x-men first class she appears at one point um mystique transforms rebecca romaine yes mystique transforms into her 
at one point very briefly. And you wouldn't even know who it was because she always had the the bodysuit on when, and the red hair and everything when she would play Mystique. So you didn't even know it at the time. But then it, after the fact, it's like, no, that person, that was actually her. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of that. And, and the same thing as uh, The Pursuit of Happiness Aaron Brockovich, when they're in a diner, the waitress is the real Aaron Brockovich. Really? And sitting behind Julia Roberts in the next booth is the real Ed Masry, who was played in the movie by, oh, I'm having a brain fart. Um, ah, I could see his name and I can't say it. Albert Finney. There we go. There so go. The, the real character played by Albert Finney, Ed Masry, is in the booth. No lines, but just behind them. Things like that are pretty cool. I'll give you another one I love. And this one was not necessarily a surprise. You knew it was coming. But the way that it was done and all the wheeling and dealing behind the scenes made it crazy. Who framed Roger Rabbit? You go back to the late 80s. This is great live action combined with animation. Well, you got a lot of brand new characters. But this is being done in conjunction with Disney. But they also had a lot of tie-ins with Warner Brothers. So who were the big mascots for that? You got Bugs Bunny for the Looney Tunes, which is Warner Brothers, and Mickey Mouse, of course. There's a scene where they both show up together. The one and only time you will ever see Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny together. And the, the finagling behind the scenes to make it happen was crazy, almost to the point, if you go back and you can Google this part, go look up the Towering Inferno and how they got Steve McQueen and Paul Newman, you know, equal billing and equal lines and that kind of thing. It was very much like this. Not one of them could overtop the other one. They, They could not put the other one down. They had to build each other up or target the falling detective, uh, the real life detective. And they had to be the same amount of lines, the same amount of screen time. And so they're, they're all falling. And here comes Bugs and Mickey together falling alongside. And then that's it. It had to be even Steven. I mean, to the point where lawyers were involved. But I mean, between that, you have Daffy Duck and Donald Duck together also playing the piano in that movie. Same kind of thing. They had to, you know, equal it out. That was a fun one that you had a feeling that something like that was coming. But. To the point where it got so stupid behind the scenes, but it ultimately it worked. And it'll probably never happen again. Never, never. If there was that much finagling to make it work there, don't think that's happening again. Plus, Bugs took a shot anyway at Disney um, in Space Jam when he said what kind of Mickey Mouse organization names their team the Ducks. <laughs> it was a great line within the course of Space Jam. Um, really, really funny line. So anyway... Um, Cameos like that, yeah, the unexpected are are some of the most enjoyable ones where you genuinely don't see it coming. Um, my other favorite cameo, I would probably say, is is Matt Damon in Interstellar because that was an uncredited yep. one um, where you, um, unless you had read something on the internet coming in, you weren't aware. And Matt Damon, of course, with his profile, could have really overshadowed maybe the others who you knew were going to be in that movie coming in or or would take up quite a quite a bit of the scales so for him to appear and to appear in a villainous turn kind of role for him well quote-unquote villainous because it I mean the motives the motives end up making him quote-unquote villainous compared to where everyone else was going as far as their thinking in the movie that all lended itself really neatly plus the fact that he comes in a good two-thirds of the way through the movie so a lot of time has passed within this movie you've been hit pretty heavily emotionally by this point in the movie too so suddenly Matt Damon shows up and you're like what whoa oh man so 
a great cameo like that, too, where you don't really expect it. You don't really see it coming. Those those hit so well, where it's just out of left field. There's there's another cameo that's maybe one of the most famous ones of all from a, a movie that's just over a decade old now that, that also suits that. Can you guess where I'm going with that? I, I got a few that I can think of, but I also want to insert, I think we forgot early off that now we should probably back up and redo there might be spoilers forthcoming. In case you didn't have any indication of that coming in. Well, we're talking cameos, and some are just fun little nuggets that don't matter. And then there's the Matt Damons and Interstellar and a few others where we're going that direction that do have something to do with the plot that you don't see coming. It's meant to be a fun surprise, and we're going to let a few of those bubbles pop. So we meant to say it at the beginning of the show, so we're going to do it now. This one, we kind of popped your bubble accidentally, but there could be... Further spoilers forthcoming, so if you're going to go see Interstellar or other movies, there might be a cameo. I mean, these movies have been out there, so I mean, I hope that the that I got folks you. can understand and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just understand that at this point. So, But based on that description that I just gave, can you guess what cameo I was referencing? Not specifically, because I can think of a bunch of others where you don't know someone's like Tim Robbins showing up in War of the Worlds. You don't know he's coming in there, and then all of oh. a sudden Tom Cruise sneaks into the basement to get away the remake war of the worlds is that tim robbins is that andy dufresne yes so there's a lot of them i can't think of the specific one well well how about one where this person appears and then gets killed oh i got minutes later after the uh the joy of of this we're actually at this guy's house this might be my favorite cameo ever because it was just awesome in so many so ways. So it is your one of your favorites if not your absolute favorite you got to say it i'll i want to steal your thunder Bill Murray in Zombieland. Bill Murray. Yeah. Zombieland. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been. It would have been funny if somehow he showed up in the sequel in some way, shape, or form. But uh, you know, and apparently it's fun to do a little behind the scenes. Bill Murray does not have an agent. Bill Murray literally has an eight hundred number that just goes to. I'm not even making this up. It's just sitting in some apartment somewhere or wherever. And sometimes he checks the messages, sometimes he doesn't. There have been well-known movie parts that were going his way that they all they could do was call this number. Hey, Bill, this is Martin Scorsese. We'd love to have you in this movie. Call me. And Bill didn't check the messages, and the movie got rolling before he could do it, and they didn't get the part of whatever. Some he catches, some he doesn't. And it just so happened that Woody Harrelson had been in Kingpin with him, and you say, buddy, it's me, it's Woody. Give me a call back. We're going to do this fun movie. You've got a great idea. And he actually called back, and it was a hoot. Maybe he actually got a direct line to him and didn't have to go through that 800 number. Possibly. Who knows? Possibly. But it was one of those that was, it worked. It just worked. And it was, the way it was set up, I, I don't want to steal your, your cameo. No, no. It, you're not stealing it a bit. You're supplementing, I would say. <laughs> because it is, it's such a memorable cameo. It, it's memorable because... They say that they're going to Bill Murray's house, and then there he is, and he fakes like he's dead, uh, or uh, he's undead, I should say. He's got good zombie makeup so he can pass undetected. Yep. Well, it ends up becoming too good because, well, when you, when you get a twitchy character who is, is suddenly really nervous, like Jesse Eisenberg's character is in there, um, then all of a sudden, bang, down goes Bill Murray. And, oh my gosh, Bill Murray is dead. Yeah, because poor Columbus can't handle himself, um, especially seeing him walking in, pulling a joke, um, and, and wandering into the room. 
But he is so vintage Bill Murray because he's playing Bill Murray. He's playing a version of himself. So they're all having fun with Bill Murray stuff and the Ghostbusters references. Oh, they're, they're Harry, wa- Harry, he's on the ceiling. And then in <laughs> come Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray dressed in the Ghostbusters gear. Um, as you've got this this very rich heiress, Emma Stone, who is is pointing up at the ceiling at, at some ghost that's up there. And even in his death scene, it was funny. And even Emma Stone's character, even in death, he makes us laugh. That's right. It was, it was just he, a great role. trying to keep from chuckling over <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. the last breath. <sighs> oh, he's still not dead. He's still with us. He's still here. Oh, now he's gone. Yeah. yeah. It was just a great cameo from front to back. You know what was another unexpected one that got me? And it was like a... What? What is he doing here? Kind of cameo. Orson Welles in the Muppet movie. Oh, yeah. I was like, really? <laughs> Orson Welles. That's the, the big time uh, the big time movie producer here who the Muppets are coming to and who Kermit is trying to make it big in Hollywood with. I, I, I was surprised at that. Of all the people, uh, to go with a guy who you, you picture as being very, very buttoned up and very kind of in his own world a little bit and and maybe a you know very very intimidating too they they capture all of that aura about Orson Welles within him, him being within the Muppets movie i mean it, it's great it, it it's it lines up perfectly to have a guy like Orson Welles be that revealed character in that movie, in that big-time, big-shot movie exec. But a lot of Muppet stuff, whether it was the show or the movies, they're based on a lot of cameos. Cameos are sprinkled throughout. You get like almost, I think almost every every member of Monty Python had some appearance in some way, shape, or form through the various Muppet iterations, whether it's the movie, whatever, and there's a lot of them. And so Orson Welles being one of them, they were all good sports. You know, when you got Elton John hosting the Muppet show, he was in a couple of sketches a la Saturday Night Live, and he was clearly there and up for fun. Let's have a good time. That's because the focus of the Muppets is on the puppets themselves. Yeah. You're focusing on these these characters who act real even though they are puppets. So it lends itself greatly to having cameo appearances within that because the focus is not on humans. The focus is on these puppets. So then it's great to have these cameos supplement and these people who come into the world of these puppet characters. I got to shift into another one of the favorites. It's in the Vern, it's in the same vein as Arnold Schwarzenegger's I'll be back. You know it's coming. He's going to work it in in some way shape or form. You know it's coming. Anytime you watch a Marvel movie, you know that Stan Lee is going to pop up in there somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes they're right front and center, sometimes they're a little more in the background. They're always quick. They're always funny. We're going to miss those because they're not happening anymore. Yeah. But, and I think the best cameo of all of his was just after he died. I forget which movie it was. I think it was one of the Avengers movies. They get the Marvel Universe logo coming up, and you get all the little flashes, comic books, or from the previous movies. But when the first movie that came out after, after Stan had passed, they were all cuts of Stan Lee in his various cameos. That's right. Through, and that was a really touching, the final cameo. And you didn't see that one coming. You figured he's probably in the movie because he probably died after they'd filmed it. I think he was. Wasn't that Endgame It could itself? have been. I can't remember which one it was, but it's it was fun to know they were coming. And I don't remember him in the X-Men movies per se, but I remember the first ones were in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, you know, whether he's pulling kids out of the way of debris or whatever, the librarian. Uh, there's a hundred of them that are fun. 
But I think that last one where you got the Marvel yeah. logo and it's all Stan Lee just after he passed, that was, I think, the best. Stan Lee's cameos have become the modern-day Alfred Hitchcock yeah. cameos, really. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I put those in the category of cameos where it's, quote-unquote, piling on, where you get you get bulk in, in terms of the cameos there. Stan's were a lot less subtle than Alfred Hitchcock's were. I mean, Hitchcock, it was... Very, very subtle in most cases. Now, some of them like to catch a thief a lot less subtle as far as his cameo that he made in the movie. But but others, it was he's there, he's gone. Stan Lee, it became a running bit where people could kind of expect it coming in that, yeah, you know, you're going to find Stan at some point in here and that he's going to pop up. It's just a question of in what manner is he going to do this? And they found ways to make them really funny, like superheroes in New York? Give me a break. I, love I, I remember that from the original Avengers movie and just great lines like that too. I love one of the Iron Man movies. Tony Stark mistakes him for Hugh Hefner. What's up, Hef? And it turns around at Stan yes. Lee, but he's wearing the smoking jacket robe, you know. That yep. was a good one. Mistaked him or was he actually supposed to be Hef? I, either way, either way. It was some guy that looks like Hef but wasn't Hef. It didn't really matter. It was a wink not to the universe but a wink to the audience yeah. really more than anything else. It was a hoot. Those are those in instances, whether it's Stan Lee in the Marvel movies or Alfred Hitchcock in all of his movies, or practically all of his movies, those are, are good examples of what cameos can also do, which if you have one, you can have a bunch, and then it can be it can be just kind of part of the the humor and irony of the cameos is once you get one person in there, you could get a bunch of people in there. Think about Anchorman and the fight scene in Anchorman. That is just a piling on of cameos. You're wondering who's about, like, can it get any better as far as some people showing up? I think Tim Robbins is the first guy who shows up there leading one of the other stations. Well, then you've got Luke Wilson who's showing up. And then you've got, oh my gosh, Ben Stiller is is showing up here leading out another one of the, the stations. It you pile on these cameos then, and then it's like, who's going to show up next? I mean, that's basically the entirety of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. Oh, yeah. It, it's just, who's going to show up next? The Three Stooges are in here now, too, and, and just staring at you at the camera? Like, you get cameos like that, then they're able to happen, too, where it's just, it is a piling on of people. Um, we, we talked about ensembles in one of our other uh, episodes that we did it's kind of like that that that's what the ensembles seek to do is it's like who else is going to show up in this movie now cameos can lend themselves to that too where if you do one or if you do two then it's like well we might as well do like 10 like this is the end you know you get michael Sarah in there you get rihanna in there you get all these people who just start showing up in in these movies and suddenly it's like who else is going to be in this? Emma Watson, I think, is in that yep. one too. I haven't seen that movie. I've just read about that. Out there, just there's just cameos out the wazoo in there. Yeah, and they're playing versions of themselves, and right. that kind of segues into another one I've got that it, you're playing a version of yourself, but it also led to a career resurgence. And Neil Patrick Harris had you know had an okay career as a kid, you know Doogie Howser. And then he had some small bit parts, maybe uh, Starship Troopers, but his career really wasn't going anywhere. And then he shows up and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle as himself, but it's a very over-the-top version of himself. And it was probably not a part you've seen, but it was a 
fabulous version. And I've heard of it, though. Some people have said it was an unofficial audition for what would become Barney Stinson and How I really? Met Your Mother. And that was a huge career part for him. He basically stole the show in a lot of ways. And that version of himself brought him in and has really brought his career back. He showed up in a cameo in all three of the Harold and Kumar movies. And even Harold and Kumar themselves, you had John Cho and you had Cal Penn, then they started showing up in How I Met Your Mother, and they've crossed paths a few times. So it's interesting the way they got that to go. Heck, they were, you know, John Cho was even in the American Pie movies, and Allison Hannigan is in How I Met Your Mother. They got Neil Patrick Harris to show up in the last American Pie, American Reunion movie. So it's just funny how you get all those cameos oddly intertwined. I almost expected to see him step out of the turbo lift on the Enterprise when John Cho was playing Sulu. Yes. But it didn't happen. But it was it was fun. But that really gave him a career part two that wasn't tied to Doogie Hauser or some serious, smart, over-the-top, which is basically every version of every role he'd ever played. To that point. And then came Harold and Kumar, and he got a whole new lease on career. Sure did. How about another guy who had a similar cameo that came at a very important time in his career in that same way? Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> same kind of same kind of thing. I had forgotten oh, yeah. about that cameo because I've only seen Tropic Thunder one time. I had forgotten about that. But then Tom Cruise shows up in one of the more subtle cameos that you find and and is is over the top and it in in such a such a goofy way and I've talked about Tom Cruise being overrated before on on this podcast and and yet there it he breaks type in so many ways and it came at a time in his career where you know he was in the news for for just the most bizarre reasons whether it was Scientology jumping on couches you know what what was going on with Tom Cruise at this point people are like the guy, the something. guy is the guy. The guy is kind of out there. Like you said, he needed something to kind of get him back in in terms of a Tom Cruise kind of way, rather than a Tom Cruise kind of way. Yeah, that was that was definitely it. Him and his appearance there in Tropic Thunder. You know, and behind the scenes, he and uh, um, oh Ben Stiller had a, kind of a working relationship anyway, and so he was approached. Would you like to do a cameo? I'll tell you what, and Tom Cruise kind of laid the, the gamut down. I want to dance, and I want to just look bizarre, and I want to have huge hands. If you remember that character, he had like giant hands. He said, I want huge hands, and I want to dance. And there was also talk. At this point, Tom Cruise was having a nasty divorce from Paramount Pictures after you know some of his antics and Summer Redstone. It said that this was sort of a dig as a caricature of Summer Redstone himself in a way that was sort of a subtle dig by Tom Cruise. It's alleged. Alleged. But you could see how, yeah, that was the case. It was possible, yeah. Speaking of throwing punches, I'm sorry, you had one you wanted to go? No, go for it, Dave. Speaking of throwing punches, Mike Tyson and the hangover. (laughs) That was one, and I'm not a big Tyson Uh. fan, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and that's one of those movies where a lot of stuff came out of nowhere, and it wasn't necessarily famous cameos like Heather Grandma, which I wouldn't really call a cameo, it was just a part. But they walk back into their trashed hotel suite, and not only is that Mike Tyson, he's playing, or looks like he's playing the piano, and he's listening to Phil Collins, you know, and then he throws a good right hook and knocks somebody out. This is my favorite part. It was such a good part, and he played it up, and he was known as a guy that wasn't going to take any guff, but clearly he showed up on the set ready to have a little fun and poke a little fun at his own image, and it worked. 
I love those unexpected ones. Oh, yeah. I love the subtle ones every bit as much, though, as Rick and Nick Talk Flicks continues, sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. We're talking cameos today, and I I love the subtle ones a lot, Dave. I've got a whole list of them here um, as far as as subtle cameos that show up, Um, even ones where you don't even see the person. You know in Dunkirk how they start out at the beginning of the movie in the flying portion of the movie with there are three planes. You know that there. You see two of the pilots on on two of the planes. Um, you don't you don't see the face of the other pilot. All you hear is his voice. That voice. You know who that voice is? Yes, Michael Caine. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say Tom Hardy was a cameo. I was like, he wasn't a cameo. No, but no. Michael Caine. I did, Michael, I did know that, but you're right. That's yeah, a good example. It's Michael Caine. Yeah, that that's his voice that's in there. So there's there's one example of one where there's a very subtle cameo in there. It's only in voice, but it's Michael Caine who's uh, who's the leader of that that three plane group until uh, he his plane gets shot down, and then you don't you don't hear from him then later on. Here's another one that well, another voice one. You and I, of course, have talked about this before. Daniel Craig in The Force Awakens, where he was filming a Bond movie. He's not just the voice. He's not just the voice. No, but you don't see his face. I mean, he 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 steps into the suit of one of the troopers who has Ray under lock and key and then gets warped by the force into letting her go, you listen to his voice very closely and you go, that's James Bond. That's James Bond. It's Daniel Craig in there. And it's not Daniel Craig trying to be Foghorn Leghorn either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that was a good one. Yep. And to stay with that, there's a lot of people in the Star Wars universe that get little cameos whether it was uh, the, some of the musicians, whether it was directors of Lin Manuel Miranda, yeah, you got the princes themselves, Harry and uh, and uh, oh my lord, I'm gonna forget, William. There is stormtroopers standing to the left, to That's the right, right, not with a line. They're just there. They were talked that the whole cast of No Doubt, or not No Doubt, but uh, 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 the Backstreet Boys, 90 Degrees, NSYNC, one of those bands was going to show up as a Jedi in the background. All of them in Attack of the Clones before. The fans found out. They're like, no way. And I, to my knowledge, it didn't happen. But okay. who's, who's to say that they didn't really do it and kind of throw you off the scent? But yeah, absolutely. I have a good one that is a voice cameo. It's one of those movies that it came out, it was pretty good, and it kind of went away. A movie called Panic Room with Jodie Foster. It came out in the early 2000s. Forrest Whitaker, one of Kirsten Stewart's first roles, and she's still young. Originally, that role that Jodie Foster plays was going to be done by Nicole Kidman. And she got injured or something before the movie started, and she couldn't do the role. So she had to pull out, and then Jodie Foster came in. There's a part in the movie where Jodie Foster manages to get a hold of a phone, and she's calling, for some reason, not the police. She's calling her ex-husband, but her ex-husband's lover slash new wife slash whoever picks up the phone, and they got Nicole Kidman to do the voice of the of the wife, of, really? the, of the lover, who was supposed to have the lead role anyway, so she's still in the movie, sort of. I would you call back later? It's too late. Get a life. Hang up. You know that she hangs up the phone. That's Nicole Kidman. Wow, doing the voice role. So she still shows up in the movie that she was supposed to star in in the first place. That's a pretty cool. I sorry I couldn't do it, guys. I let you down. But yeah, I'll do the voice. Here's a great visual cameo that that comes up on a lot of lists of best cameos ever. I I think it was on practically every one of them. 
Kate Blanchett in Hot Fuzz, <laughs> appearing yeah. as um, as Simon Pegg's uh, girlfriend, ex girlfriend, there in the uh, in the movie, as he's coming in and saying that he's he's getting transferred and is getting moved elsewhere. Kate Blanchett is on site at this this murder scene. One and, of the forensic detectives, or whatever, right, in full suit, full body suit. All you see are those piercing eyes of hers, and you get her accent as well. Those are the only indicators of. This is Kate Blanchett who is doing this. One and of the most beautiful women in the world, right. and you don't even get to see her. Exactly. You don't even see her except for the <laughs> eyes and the voice, and it, it works great. The comedic timing of it all is really funny, and a, a great example of how to get a really good, subtle cameo in there. I have a great one that ties in with sports. You can't. This is one of the best cameos of what we're talking about at a time that these kind of cameos just didn't happen. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the co-pilot yes. in the original Airplane movie. Does that count as a cameo? Absolutely. Or, he, Absolutely. or was he just like, I think people knew he was in it, though, coming in, didn't they? Like, I don't, wasn't he in the trailer? I don't think so. But, I mean, it's not like he has a small role he walks on and he's gone. It's a small part. But why would you expect Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to show up as a pilot on a plane? With Peter Graves. With Peter Graves as the pilot. And at a time that he was still a basketball player. He wasn't retired yet, I don't think. So for those of you that are young enough, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the best. His his career was in full flow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be like having LeBron James now showing up in a movie where he just throws and absolutely lampoons himself. But the funny thing is... You're you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, my name's Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. But then later, as he gets sick and falls, he's in full L.A. Lakers uniform, which is the team he played for behind the controls. They have to pull him out. So, obviously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar moonlighting as an as an air pilot who, no, no, I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was so surreal and so bizarre it really worked. I mean, you could say what you want about you know LeBron James or or even Michael Jordan doing Space Jam. You know this, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. To, and I've seen the movie trailers. I don't think Kareem is in the trailers at all. All of a sudden, he's just is that Kareem? What, you might be asking the person in the theater next to you. Then they bring the little kid in to tour the cockpit. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which is getting people to, I thought that was Kareem. No, no, sir. Right. You got me misunderstood. My name's Roger <laughs> Murdoch. That was one of the best cameos, I think, and it was one of the first. If you go prior to that, and that was 1980, I think, the first one. If you go prior to that, any movie, I don't think there really are cameos other than like the you know Hitchcock version where it's just somebody walking by, but it's yeah. not like a big ha 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 wink nudge. That was the first of those. I had forgotten that th- that that was a legit cameo. I thought that he had appeared in the trailer or something, but it it worked. It oh, was absolutely that, was, that is absolutely a legit cameo and a really a really funny one too when it's a person playing themselves, but they're trying to moonlight as something else in there. Great cameo. Oh, it, great, just, great it, it just bent the rules of everything. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a few other subtle ones that I didn't know about. Did you know Ted Danson is in Saving Private Ryan? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's kind of front and center, though. Yeah, he is. Uh, I had never realized that, though. Uh, I I never really have watched Cheers, but of course I'm aware of, of Ted Danson and, and his impact and everything. But I never had realized that he was in... Um, that he was in Saving Private Ryan. Very small bit part in there when there's the, the name mix-up, but he's there. Another one, um, did, did you know Paul McCartney is in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales? I did not. He's uh, Ca- Captain Jack's uncle 
in that movie, apparently. I stopped watching them after the first three, so okay. that's probably why. That's probably why. But he apparently, I mean, you can kind of tell it's Paul McCartney in there with a ton of a, a ton of CGI or makeup, special effect, whatever it, it would end up being um, that's in there. But he's in it, and he's apparently Captain Jack's uncle in there with a very small bit part that comes in there. Very, very subtle, but Paul McCartney actually ended up being in there. Well, we yeah. know Rolling Stone's... Uh, not Mick Jagger, but Keith Richards. That's right. Who, in a lot of ways, is Jackie. what yeah is what Johnny Depp based his character off of. Correct. And so finally, when they get to the third one at World's End, he shows up as one of the members of the Pirates' Court, and so he's basically basically doing a cameo of Captain Jack. But it's what Captain Jack is based off of. And it was just a blink and you miss it kind of thing, but it worked. There's some good cameos that do actually move plots forward, though. I oh, was yeah. just watching Sunset Boulevard the other day, and they they have some great appearances from people of the silent film era and older times in film who appear in that movie and are, are very reflective of the fading star trying to recapture glory in there. And they bring back some great some great cameos as a result then, whether it's uh, Buster Keaton or having C- uh, Cecil B. DeMille in there too on a, on a directorial side of things within that movie. Um, they, they bring back some really good, uh, really good nods to the past of Hollywood to talk about you know just what the themes of that movie were and, and trying to keep th- those moving along within that. Then you've got like Home Alone and you have John Candy appearing oh, yeah. in there in, in that kind of cameo role too where... It's a pretty significant role, and especially as far as furthering the plot of the movie. And he was only supposed to do it for like a day or a weekend or whatever, and they didn't quite get it. But you know, he and John Hughes go way back. He's like, oh, I'll do more. I'll do, I'll do. So the part expanded a little more than what they were able. And John Candy was, no, my time's up. But we're still, we'll still go. We'll get this. Or how about your guy Huey Lewis in your movie Back to the Future coming yeah. in there too and making a really good against cast against typecast cameo in there as far as what he was known for for rock and roll and for music and he's basically shooting down the rock and roll music that that they're trying to bring at the talent show. Not only that, his own song. So when Marty is is you know auditioning for the school dance, the guy that stands up with a megaphone, ah, you're too loud. That's Huey Lewis. Correct. And the song they were playing, "The Power of Love" by yeah. Huey Lewis in the news. So he's shooting down his own song. So he had a cool cameo, and ZZ Top did the same thing in the third one. They were the bluegrass band that spun their guitars or the long guitars or the long beards rather in the old west version of Hill Valley. Absolutely, another cool meta one was Gremlins 2, and that was very much a different movie than the first Gremlins, and so there's a point where something's going on, and all of a sudden the film itself starts to deteriorate and run off the rails like something is going wrong in the projection booth at the movie, and then the Gremlins are making fun, and then they cut to inside of a movie theater, and one of the ushers, we're having a problem, the Gremlins are in the booth, well, can you go get this, fix the problem? Yeah, we'll fix the problem. So the usher goes in, during the movie, goes into the movie theater, and sir, can we? There's a problem in the booth. And up stands Hulk Hogan, like he's watching the movie. Yeah, you gremlins, you better. And then the movie restarts. So it's the movie takes a quick break for a meta cameo as Hulk Hogan, who's annoyed that the movie is being interrupted by the gremlins. And then the film starts again yeah. where they left off. But if you were watching that in the movie theater and you think, oh, man, the projection booth is screwing up, and then it becomes aware it's actually part of the movie as the gremlins are making shadow puppets on the – it was a hoot. It was a really cool – say what you want. I don't like that movie as much. Hulk Hogan was at the top of his wrestling genre, but, boy, this was – that was a great – 
cameo. Very meta, very cool. Sure was, brother. <laughs> yeah. Another cameo that worked great, and there's nothing subtle about it. This person just appears, is in there, and then he's doing what? Bob Barker in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Amazing cameo. Because first of all, I mean, having a celebrity pro-am in there was perfect because it, it set things up for Happy to play with a celebrity. Of all guys, hey, it's Bob Barker. And then, but then Happy just grinds his gears during the course of the round. And Bob just, Bob gets vicious. I mean, he's like, I can't believe you're out here as a pro. You ought to be at the snack bar. This guy and, sucks. And then finally, Happy gets to the point where he he gets in a fight with Bob Barker, and Bob beats him up. I mean, it's hysterical. Like, just hysterical the way that that cameo snowballs into what it becomes. Yeah, and they became a friendship, actually. Adam Sandler, on a few occasions, and most notably Bob Barker's last episode, Hosting the Price is Right, would show up occasionally. And not that I'm that big of Price is Right nerd, but I sort of am. The credits, Adam, oh, maybe it was a coincidence, but Adam Sandler would show up as like, you know, background lighting technician or something weird. I don't know if that was just something thrown in like a Zucker Brothers movie or if Adam Sandler actually on a day off would go help a set of light and just hang out with Bob Barker. And then he showed up on the set on the last show and read a poem, oh, Bob Barker, Bob Barker, in very Adam Sandler-esque tones. They beat each other up on the set, and they became good friends offset, which is kind of <laughs> funny. That was a great cameo. Uh, we're, we're a little short on time here for what we're doing for our recording today. So any more that you've got? Because I need to get to my what could have been one, too. I got one last one I guess I could do. It's nothing necessarily special, but it came so out of nowhere, and it was so good. Did you ever see the movie The Big Short? Talking about the the housing bubble crisis of 2008 and how a lot of businesses just collapsed and the housing market collapsed. Well, there's it's this is complicated stuff. Well, exactly how did this happen? Well, for further information on how this works, they cut to these celebrities. One there's Selena Gomez in a poker game, and she's explaining how this poker game and side bets can work that help to build this. We're going to cut to Margot Robbie as Margot Robbie taking a bubble bath, one of the more beautiful actresses of the day, in a luxurious bubble bath, but not being all sexy like other than she's in a bubble bath, but explaining how this technical thing works. So she's speaking directly to the camera. Look, so when you make a bet on this, and, da, 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 and that happened a couple of times, and then they would cut back to the, the plot. So there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall where you get Ryan Gosling, for example, who's playing one of these characters, is not talking to the characters. Now he's talking directly to the camera. See, this is how it works. But to better explain it, and then you get Margot Robbie, then you get Selena Gomez, moments like that, and it works. I mean, it, it takes you out of the movie, yeah. but it gives you a sidebar so that even the, the dumbest person in the theater, no offense, can catch up and, oh, okay. And I don't understand this kind of thing at all either. So it was helpful for me. Oh, okay. Now back to our show and onward you'd go. So those kind of things, those were fun and informative and memorable. And that was a good movie that really signals something big that happened in the American culture in a negative way at the time. That is funny. I never realized that. I, I, I know of the movie. I didn't realize that they had worked that in there, too. But not only having cameos, but breaking the fourth wall as Numerous well. times. Numerous times. Really clever. That, oh, that, that's funny. Great movie. It's an unfortunate story, but it's a true story. And right. as, as outlandish as it is. It's very accurate and very true, I guess. Biggest what could have been. Yeah, hit me with this. In, in my book. There was talk that for once upon a time in the West, 
director Sergio Leone, in that opening scene where Harmonica arrives and runs into Henry Fonda's men, there was talk that Leone wanted those three men at the very beginning of the movie in that opening shootout to be Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, and Eli Wallach. He wanted to bring back the three from the good, the bad, and the ugly and have them be the three who Harmonica guns down in that opening scene to say that this was going to be a completely different kind of Western. Eastwood, though, was unavailable. He, He didn't want to get typecast into doing more spaghetti Westerns like that over and over, so he kind of removed himself because he was in consideration to be Harmonica, too. And... So ultimately, that idea fell through as a result. But just imagine if they had, if those had been the three who ended up being in there, and then they get gunned down. All three of them get gunned down. Boy, would that have set a different kind of tone. Maybe that's that where movie. Anchorman got the idea. You know, let's get all these guys that maybe are more significant than just random, and let's have some fun and give an idea. Maybe so. I, I love a good cameo, though, and and clearly, I mean, this was a great idea. And we could keep an going, episode. but there's yeah. a whole bunch more. Ben Stiller alone has done what twenty cameos in various movies from from also Happy Gilmore, and and of onward course. and onward and onward. Uh, there's a million of them. So the, your favorite cameo may not have made this the amount of time that we had. And I jotted down some notes last night just so I you know could think them up off the top of my head and also had a list to back up with. But you know, Hoove and I have very much the same list. Here was a couple that were on my list. You'd say Bob Barker. Well, skip that one and go to the next one. And there's a whole <laughs> lot more to go that we just couldn't get around to. Yeah. But boy, when you get a good cameo, and I mean a well thought out cameo, doesn't need to be part of the plot. Just something real quick. Whether it's Bob Hope coming into the tent and spies like us glad i'm not sick you know the whole movie was a spoof off those bob hope things and to get him quickly walk in and walk out done perfect marvelous sometimes it's all about the subtlety sometimes it's about putting that cameo right before your eyes but often for comedic reasons sometimes though turning the gears of the plot and i love that cameos can be very versatile like that too absolutely well, I know you got to run, so yes. we'll we'll kind of put the the ribbon here on the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, next time you see a great cameo, and sometimes you expect them when you get a wacky comedy, and other times they come out of nowhere. Yeah, sometimes you have to look deeper for them too. Oh yeah, yeah. You get somebody's parents or somebody you know that show up in an episode. You don't know that that's who it is until later. You read something on IMDb. Really, that was so and so. Yes, Tom Hanks's son, or and I. His daughter, too, also appearing in That Thing You Do. They're, yep. they're in there briefly, very, very briefly yep. in there, and almost in like consecutive scenes, too. So those Easter eggs are great to find, especially if it is somebody appearing or lending their voice in there, too. Sometimes it's fun. It's seeing an actor that isn't a well-known voice at that point who is just one of their first movie roles, but they become something more down the road. I was watching a zombie movie, and that's the dad from almost or from uh, Modern Family. He was a nobody at that point. He was just taking whatever role he could get. Yeah. Well, now Ty Burrell is well-known, but it's fun to see. Really? He's a zombie? That's so cool. Huh. Modern Family. Exactly. That, those are fun, and you can call them a cameo if you want. Hey, it's great to go see them. Go see movies, by the way. Uh, whether you're going to rent them or you're going to stream them, or if you're feeling up to it, go to see them at the theater. And even if you don't want to see a movie at the theater, go support your local theater. Go get a snack. Go get an icy. I'm getting an idea. Who? Maybe I'll go grab an icy. That's right. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored 
by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2 just down from the airport. Cameo, word up. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies.